Well, I've been really encouraged this morning uh, for a number of reasons, but one of them was in the area of what I felt the Lord wanted me to share today because it was really confirmed to my heart as we were in pre-service prayer with a number of us that meet at 8 o'clock and uh, Pastor Bob's teaching during adult Sunday school, the songs that we sang and even the words of encouragement that were given. But the title of my message is The Day I Met Jesus. The Day I Met Jesus. Not just me but any and all of us that have met Jesus. There is something that begins the day that we truly meet Jesus. And the word that I had as my original title was transformation. That we begin this process of being transformed into the image of Christ. You know, and sometimes we personally disqualify ourselves from that process by saying, I'm too bad. I'm such a mess. There is no way. There's nothing. Sometimes we try to disqualify other people. We look at them and to make ourselves feel better about this mess we call us, we say, well, there's no hope for them. I'm pretty sure most of us here, or at least I can speak for me, have had people that pretty much said that once or twice in our lives. (laughs) I don't know about him. There's not a lot of hope for him. Well, the story I'm going to look at today, if nothing else, proves beyond a shadow of a doubt, God is able to transform anybody and everybody. And it is his desire to transform him. And it begins the day that we truly meet Jesus. And I realize that in in a congregation or group this size, there are all kinds of things going on in individuals' lives. All kinds of things going on in relationships. Things that are challenging, stretching, straining. Uh, The enemy's trying to destroy. All kinds of stuff is going on. And I think it's such a timely word to know that God can transform anything and anybody. And that's his desire. He is a God of transformation. He is a God of redemption. He's a God of reconciliation. He is all of these things and so much more. And The day that we truly meet Jesus is when it all begins. The mission statement of this church is to help people, to help people to discover and experience the abundant life in Christ. That's why we really exist. That's why we feel we exist. That's why we feel God put together this body that we call Victory Christian Church, to help people discover and experience the abundant life in Christ. And it begins the day that you meet Jesus. You know, a few years ago, I think it was two years, time goes so fast, uh, but a a number of people from the church went on a mission trip down to uh, Neva, Colombia. And we went with a ministry that uh, works primarily in salvation and healing, physical, emotional healing. And we went down to this city, and across from our hotel was this park. And we went out into this park, Every afternoon, we were through with our scheduled time in the morning, and we started praying for people. And there were all kinds of people in this park. Uh, People, you you might say, there's no way God's going to touch them, meet them. And really, there's no way he can use us to do that. But an interesting thing happened. All of a sudden, we were seeing people miraculously healed. The crippled were getting healed. People who couldn't see were getting their sight. We had one guy with it. He just came from the doctor because of the hospital. He had his arm 
pinned against his chest because he'd wrecked his arm and shoulder. And before Larry was through playing with him, he was raising his hands above his head, swinging his arms around, and he was literally on his way from the hospital home, happened to walk through the park. And then as the week went on, something unique happened. All of a sudden, these people that had been ministered to were back. Not because whatever God had done to them had disappeared, but because they had went home and told their family and their friends what God had done in their lives. And they were bringing them back because they were so blessed they wanted these people to be blessed too. It was amazing. And really, what we experience down there illustrates the message of the encounter that we're going to look at in the Scripture today. How God totally can change and transform a life. How it's what he does. It's what he does. And when our faith and confidence and hope is in him, not only can he transform us, he can transform every relationship, every situation, everything in our lives can be transformed. We're going to look at Luke chapter 8. I'm going to focus on Luke chapter 8, 26 through 39. That's what I'm going to read. But this story is also in Mark, and it's always one of the, also one of the stories in Matthew that Brian mentioned during uh, worship. It's an amazing story. To give you the little bit of context, Jesus and the disciples had been on the hillsides teaching. And the crowds had gotten so big, Jesus had to get in a boat and go out from shore a little ways so he could continue to teach. And then at the end of that day, he, he said to the disciples, you know what, let's get in the boat and we're going to go to the other side of the sea, Sea of Galilee. We're going to go to the other side. And the story that a lot of us would be familiar with, they got on the boat and they're headed across the Sea of Galilee. And the storm comes. The waves are coming. They're getting bigger and bigger. The wind is howling. The wind is blowing like crazy. The disciples are getting afraid for their lives. The, water, the boat is taking on water, and Jesus is sleeping. And they go to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, help us out here. And they say, Jesus, you know, look what's going on. And Jesus steps up, and he looks at the storm, and he speaks to the wind. He speaks to the water. The wind quits blowing, and the lake goes calm. And then it says an interesting thing that the disciples, they may have been impressed with his teaching, but now this is a whole new ball game. The disciples, it said, said they were filled with fear and awe. This guy that we're following even controls and speaks to the wind and the waters. There was fear and awe of what Jesus had done. And then either during the night yet or early in the morning, the next morning, they arrived to the other side. And if they were impressed or scared or in awe of what happened on the way over, they were in for a whole new set of adventures. Luke chapter 8, verse 26. And they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he had come out onto the land, Jesus, he was met by a certain man from the city who was possessed with demons. He had not put on any clothes for a long time. And he was not living in a house, but in the tombs or caves. And seeing Jesus, he cried out and he fell before him and said in a loud voice, 
what do I have to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had been commanding, Jesus had been commanding an unclean spirit to come out of the man. For it had seized him many times, and he was bound with chains and shackles and kept under guard, and yet he would burst his fetters and be driven by the demons out into the desert. And Jesus asked him, the man, what is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered into him. And they were entreating him not to command them to depart into the abyss. The abyss. Now there was a herd of many swine feeding there on the mountains, and the demons entreated, begged Jesus, to permit them to enter the swine. And he gave them permission. And the demons came out from the man, and they entered into the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank and into the lake, and they were all drowned. And when the herdsmen saw what had happened, they ran away, and they reported it in the city and out in the country. And the people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus. And they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting down at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they became frightened. And those who had seen it reported to them how the man who was demon-possessed had been made well. And all the peoples of the country of the Gerasenes and the surrounding district asked him to depart from them, leave. For they were gripped with great fear. And he got into a boat, and they returned to the other side. But the man from whom the demons had gone out was begging him that he might accompany him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your house, describe what great things God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. If you could, just picture this scene that we just read about. Jesus steps out of the boat and he more, no more gets on land. He and the disciples, early in the morning, maybe still even dark at night, we, can't, we don't know from the story of the text. And here comes this naked wild man running at you. Hasn't been clothed for a long time. He comes and He's covered with scars. If you read in Mark, it makes it even more clear. He would gnash his body with stones and rocks, self-torturing himself. His wild man, covered with scars, covered with dried blood, bloody fresh wounds on his body from the stones, shrieking as he's running at you, attacking you almost. His unkept hair and beard matted down with dirt and filth. Undoubtedly, he did not smell very good. This wild, crazy look in his eyes coming at Jesus and the disciples. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what the disciples did. But I have a sneaking suspicion if they were afraid of what took place during the night out on the water, this probably caught their attention. I can almost picture in my mind them stumbling backwards trying to get into the boat, falling in the water. I don't know. I'm making that all up. But whatever it was, it had to have caught their attention. This man who looked like an animal come running at them. And then something interesting happens. The demon speaks through the man and identifies him as Jesus, the son of the most high God. And the demons then request. The demons make a request to the Lord 
that you don't just cast us out into the abyss. In Mark, it says it this way, don't cast us out of this country. And they go into the swine, and they all drowned. The swine, not the demons. The demons, I believe, were then running around the country, seeing who else they could torment. And Legion was instantly a different man. He was transformed by the spoken word of God and the authority of Jesus. That was the day that Legion met Jesus. And we can only imagine how long Legion had been tormented. You know, when Jesus asked him his name, the scripture says, because he had been possessed by demons for so long, Legion, I believe, expressed the name Legion, not the demons. So he had bought into the idea of that's who he was. He'd been tormented for so long by these demons, probably called this from the people in the area. They had tried to chain him, fetter him, guard him. He'd break the chains. All of a sudden, Legion was transformed by the word and authority of Jesus. There's something we need to understand and probably acknowledge. There's, usually, there, there's really just two groups of people if you look at it from the perspective I'm sharing right now. People are either in the domain of Satan or the domain of Jesus. One or the other. There is no in-between. They're either in the domain of Satan or they're in the domain of Jesus. Now, people had tried to control this man. They probably tried to even help him at times. But no matter what they tried, it didn't work. It didn't help. And this is a reality that we need to understand that trying to apply human solutions to a spiritual problem will not work. It ultimately will fail. A spiritual problem needs a spiritual solution. And the people here obviously had no spiritual solution for this man called Legion. Self-destructive behavior. There are so many directions I wanted to go, but one of the things that I see so often in people in the domain of Satan is the self-destructive behavior. Doing those things that they don't want to do, but they really can't seem to help themselves, and they do it. It's a problem that we all experience. Possessed for many, many years, the way it looks. When I look at Legion and some of the problems, I'd say, you know, it's not a lot different than today. We... We don't see a lot of people necessarily running around like Legion was running around. Pretty obvious, this guy running at you naked, looking like he looked, had an issue. But there was another group of people here whose issue wasn't as obvious, but it it was evidently just as damning, indicating they were in the domain of Satan. And that would be the people in that country. We need a supernatural touch from God for true transformation to take hold and for there to be this kind of change that only God can do 
that will allow us to discover and experience this abundant life that Christ has for us, that he died for, to provide for us. In Romans 1, 16, it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the gospel, the story of Jesus and who he is and what he has done, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jews, then for all the rest of us. The gospel message is the transforming power of God available for all who would believe. All who would believe. Human solutions won't work. There has to be a change of the heart. A spiritual change, a supernatural change of the heart for the transformation to take place. When the gospel is received by faith, what happens is there is a new life imparted to what was a dead sinner. And that's what we all were at one time. And in all likelihood, some of us in here today are still that. We are dead sinners. But there is a new life available for who, those who believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior that begins instantly the transformation process. So I said, Legion wasn't the only one there that had a problem. Because if you look around this room, when I say that, there's probably some people in here that don't know the Lord. That's like saying, a little less bluntly, that there would be some people in here still under the domain of Satan. And I speak just from a percentage basis. Anybody would tell you with the crowd this side, there are those people. And I hope there are. Because we exist as a church for people to come and discover and experience this life in Christ. And the Lord should be drawing people, preparing hearts to receive. The people there from the city that came and the countryside that came, they probably looked pretty good. They probably looked pretty respectable. They probably cleaned up about as well as we do. Maybe different kind of clothes, but they looked okay. You know, the outside things can be so deceiving. They can fool us. They can fool other people. They can even fool ourselves sometimes. When we look at these people, why do I say I think they were in the domain of Satan, most of them? Well, I think there's a couple of things, three for sure, that I noticed. The first one was this. The demons did not want to be cast out of that country. They were comfortable in that region. They didn't want to leave. They'd rather be in the pigs than cast out of that country. They had gotten comfortable in that region, and I believe it's because it was a pagan region. It was not a Jewish nation. It was a pagan Gentile place. Second thing that makes me think about these people in this regard is they were way more concerned about what happened to the pigs than they were what, than what happened to that man. Can you imagine? Evidently, this man was pretty well known for being what he was in the whole area. The people had probably called special meetings and said, we've got to catch this guy again. We've got to put him in stronger chains, stronger shackles. We've got to post more guards. We've got to control this guy. Nothing worked. He would break loose. And now, all of a sudden, he's totally set free, transformed by Jesus. He's sitting at the feet of Jesus. He's clothed and looking good. And they were worried about the pigs. 
doesn't say much for the people of that region. And then third, and probably even most impressive to me, is when all this happened, what did they do? They begged Jesus to leave. They were greatly afraid, it says. They were fearful of this man, Jesus, who had just cast the demons out and healed this man, transformed them, and in a sense made the whole area more safe. There was no longer this demon-possessed lunatic running around naked in the countryside. Please leave. Please leave. Legion shows us that no one is beyond the transformation of God. No one. We talk about connect, grow, and serve here in filling our mission. Transformation doesn't start until that day you meet Jesus. That's the connect. We connect with the Lord and then we connect with brothers and sisters in Christ. The transformation begins. But I believe we also see something in here, and I'm having to surmise a little bit, so I want you to know that up front, because the Scripture isn't crystal clear. But it's interesting to me, in Luke chapter 8, verse 35, when it says, When the people went out to see what had happened, when they came to Jesus, they found the same man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at the feet of Jesus, dressed and in his right mind. And then they were afraid. I believe a very, very important thing took place. It took a while for these herdsmen who were watching the pigs to run and find the owners of the pigs. They ran into the city and told everybody what was going on. And then it says they went out throughout the countryside and told everybody what had happened. And then they came. So I don't know how long he was sitting at the feet of Jesus. But it was long enough for him to get or someone to go and get clothes for him to put on. I believe what was taking place I believe what was taking place was a crash course at the feet of Jesus. I believe Jesus was teaching him about God, about the Father. I believe he was teaching him about himself, the Messiah, who has come to set the captives free, especially ones named Legion. I believe he was teaching about what it looks like to live a godly life as transformation takes place. Now, as I say, I don't know that for sure, but he was sitting at the feet of Jesus, the greatest teacher that ever walked the earth. And he was transformed. In Romans 12, verse 2, it says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His pleasing, His good, His pleasing and perfect will. I believe transformation begins the moment we connect, the moment we meet Jesus at a personal level. But I believe it's important that we grow in that relationship through reading the Word, to understanding the Word, to praying, to fellowshipping with other Christians. We need to grow this process of transformation can't start without meeting Jesus, but it doesn't get finished at that moment. There is a spiritual completeness. You are a new creature in Christ. You have been born again, but there's a transformation. That old man has some garbage still hanging on, even though he's dead. 
And I believe with Legion, he was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Growing. Quickly growing. Then Legion, as it says, the people wanted him to leave. And Legion, Legion, and I think quite rightly, I I would think we would all respond this way. He wanted to go with Jesus. He was entreating him. He was begging him. Jesus, can I go with you? Can I go with you and the rest of your disciples? Who wouldn't want to do that, right? And what does Jesus say to this man who he has just transformed, who he's just changed his life forever? He says, no. No. Now, I hope that causes us to think, because look, look what has just taken place here. Jesus encountered a bunch of demons, and they asked him for a favor. And he gave it to them. Then the people, a bunch of pagans who were scared of him, didn't give a second thought to Legion's transformation. They were more worried about the pigs and wondering what was going to come next. They asked him to leave. And he listens to them. And then Legion, sitting at the feet of Jesus, transformed, changed. He says no. He must have had a really good reason for saying no. And I believe he does. And I believe that's one of the main points of this whole story for us. I'm going to read Luke 38 and 39 again. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. And if you read this in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, verse 18, it says, And Jesus was getting into the boat. The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus didn't let him. But he said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. I believe one of the main points that we need to walk away from this whole story is once we have been transformed, we are to go and declare it to the people. Some places it's called the Great Commission. He is telling Legion, who he has just transformed in the moment that he met Jesus, who sat at Jesus' feet, who obviously was hungry for more. He said, no, it's more important that you go home and tell the people what God has done. If you've experienced Christ's transforming power, we are called to go and express it. This thing, and, you know, know, my religion before my relationship, use lines like, "Ah, keep your faith personal. It's a personal thing. You just be quiet about that stuff and you'll get along fine. That is directly from the pit of hell from the lips of Satan. Directly. But we believe it because it's a little scary to go and put yourself at risk to share about what God has done. But think about that for a moment. If you happen to be in such a bad state that you're a Green Bay Packer fan, (laughs) I apologize. Please forgive me. 
But if you happen to be that person and they happen to win tonight, you can hardly wait to tell anybody and everybody that the Packers won and Brett Favre is great. No, he's dead. No, he's just retired, right? Rogers. See, I've been delivered. And the Vikings lose, so I don't have to worry about it. But we would be so excited to run and tell everybody something that, that unimportant in the big scheme of things. But we're afraid to go and tell people that I met Jesus and he transformed me in his mercy. I didn't deserve it. I was this, that, and the other thing. I had done this, that, and the other thing. I had hurt this person and that person. And you know what? I met Jesus and it didn't matter. He transformed me. Jesus says, go home and tell the people what I have done. How do I do it? By expressing a transformed life. I want to get really practical for just a few minutes. How do I do it? Number one, by your attitude. By your attitude. You can demonstrate the transformed life by your attitude. Are you cheerful and do you have a thankful heart? Are you one of those people that grumbles and complains about everything? A transformed person who's met Jesus should not be the grumbling, complaining person. We should be so thankful and so filled with joy of what God has done by your words. And sometimes this is a hard thing to get back under control. By your words, do your words encourage and build up or do they mostly tear down? Are you critical and judgmental? Are you accepting and encouraging? Do the words you speak give life or do they bring death? It expresses the transformation that's taken place in our life since that day we met Jesus. Is your language what we would call foul language versus pure speech? Now we can get into debates about what swearing really is. We know we're not supposed to use the Lord's name in vain. But I want to just forget about all the stupid debate and say, is your language, foul language, would it bring glory and honor to God? Would you talk the way you're talking if you were sitting next to Jesus because he lives in you and hears every word you say and every thought you think? Our words should express the transformation in our life and by our behavior. Are we self-centered? Thinking about what's in it for me all the time or are we thinking about others and how we can serve others? What's our first thought? Are my goals and values in my life different or are they the same as the world's goals and values? Do I look like a peculiar people or do I look like the world? Now don't get too peculiar. Keep your clothes on. (laughs) Don't become legion. But seriously, our behavior, we need to look different than the world. If we look like the world, what is there to draw them to us and ask that simple question that we should all desire to hear, what changed you? What changed me was the day I met Jesus. It's still a process going on, but from that day forward, things were different. If we lead our lives led by the Holy Spirit, it will be a witness that people can't ignore. 
Notice he says, return home. How many of you would rather be sent to the farthest ends of the earth than to walk into your hometown or your family reunion and tell them about the day you met Jesus? Seriously, that would have been me. And some days that's still me. Lord, really? On Main Street, right here in the post office? Why would he do that? Home there, I believe, represents the people that know us. The people that have been around us. The people that have seen us living our lives while we were still in the domain of Satan. I mean, I love it when someone comes up and says, I remember you. You're one of the Nelson boys. Sorry, Mom. You're one of the Nelson boys. We kept this from you. Yeah, I was. I am. Boy, you've changed. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. How many of us don't love to hear that? Really, we should love to hear that because it's a demonstration of the power of God. Nothing. I mean, I couldn't have done that. It would have been impossible. I could fake it pretty well. I did. But the real thing kept showing up. But isn't it wonderful when people see Jesus and what he has begun to do in each one of us? And I'm reminded of the scripture that says, when he has begun a good work in us, he is faithful to finish it. I'm kind of anxious for that to happen. But until then, Go to the people who knew you before. They were the ones that would see the change. How do you do that? It's not that difficult. Tell them your testimony. They already know the bad half of it. Tell them your testimony. Just remind them. Don't go into too many gory details. We don't want to glorify Satan. They weren't the good old days. They were the days under the domain of Satan. We don't want to call them good. But tell them your testimony. Tell them where God took you from and where he's put you. Tell him and ex- tell them and explain the gospel. And really, the opportunities present themselves in subtle ways way more often than we think. We just don't have a mindset to go there right away. Wow, you've really changed. Yes, I have. You want to know how and why. There's this God who loves you. Loves you in- unbelievably unconditionally, so much he sent his son Jesus to come and go to a cross, take all my guilt, all my shame, all my sin, and died for me. Because of my sin, he had to do that. And he became my Savior the moment I accepted what he did for me. There's the gospel. And it could flow out of you just as easy and smooth as that. You don't have to be a theologian quoting scriptures. If you are, they'll run most of the time anyway. Tell them the gospel. And I can't stress this last part enough, and Pastor Bob has been pounding on this in adult Sunday school, adult Bible class. Emphasize grace. 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 Sitting in my office with the door closed, I heard Bob talking about grace versus works. And he said this in so many words. Every false religion on earth teaches and stresses what we need to do to earn God's favor. 
but not Christianity. It's not about works. You can't do enough works. And not, every, not only every false religion, but really every single lost sinner has that mentality naturally. If I could just be better. If I could just clean up my act. If I could, if I could, if I could. Forget it. You'll fail miserably. Christianity is not a religion of works. Christianity is not a religion of works. It is a relationship of grace. Boy, we need to get that in our hearts. It's not about works. It's not about works. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. By grace with Jesus Christ. We are called, and I believe that's why Jesus said, no, I'm sorry, Legion, you need to stay. Go home and tell the people. Go home and serve. Now that you have connected and met Jesus, you've sat at my feet, growing quickly. Now go and serve. Go and serve the kingdom. Go advance the kingdom. And that's what we need to be doing as Christians. If we're going to fulfill our mission to see people discover and experience the abundant life in Christ, we need to first be able to help them connect with Jesus. It's so exciting when you get to be part of the day they meet Jesus. Man, does that feel good. It almost feels better than your day. And then to help them grow and provide opportunity to serve. You know, when we look at Legion, I mean, can you imagine? This is kind of what it's like sometimes for us even today. Legion, did you at least put your clothes on before you went to meet Jesus? Nope, I was stark naked. Did you at least take a bath, get a haircut, trim your beard so you didn't smell so bad? No, I looked hideous. Did you at least try to get the demons out of you first? Nope, I was filled with demons. Matter of fact, they were screaming and hollering when I went up to Jesus. Jesus saved and delivered, transformed legion just the way he was. And that's God's grace. He will save and deliver and transform us just the way we are. All we need to do is respond to Jesus. So three questions, and I'm not going to give you the answers because you've got to answer them yourself. Number one, has God changed your life through the gift of salvation? Have you truly met Jesus at a personal level? It's not about religion. It's about relationship. It's about acknowledging your need because of sin for a Savior who's holy, who died for you, laid down his life for you, and was raised from the dead by the power of God. Have you met Jesus? If you haven't, today would be a really good day. And if you don't know how to do it, I know a whole bunch of people in here that love to help you. I'd be first in line. Second question. Is God continuing to transform your life as you're growing in him? Are you reading the word? Are you fellowshipping with believers? Are you spending time in prayer and meditation? It will transform you. We are transformed by the renewing 
of this mind. And third, are you proclaiming and communicating the transforming power of Christ to all those who knew you and know you? It's what we're called to do. We can get pious, critical, judgmental, and spiritual and say, well, I'm not as bad as legion. The reality is, before you got saved, we're all legions. Every one of us. The grace of God is available for all. Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you and praise you for your word that just speaks such truth to our hearts. The Holy Spirit who quickens it and brings it to life in each one of us. I thank you, Lord, for examples like Legion. God, so we can see crystal clear the transforming power of Jesus, the love of the Father's heart who will go to all the ends of the earth to save even the worst of these. Father, I, I, I acknowledge that we were the worst of these. And you loved us and you offered the gift of salvation to each one of us and you still do it today. Lord, I pray that if there would be anybody here who has never met Jesus in a very real personal way, today would be that day. Open their hearts. And Lord, I pray that you would help all of us overcome any fears that the enemy might try to torment us with that prevent us from proclaiming the transforming power of Jesus Christ to those we know and those we love. There is no greater gift. Let us be vessels that would share that good news. And I pray, Lord, that you would go with us today and every day, watching over us, protecting us, providing those opportunities, giving us the words to speak. Lord, that we would do all these things for your glory and for your honor. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.